Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode... 445 for your September 24th, 2022. I am JD from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beard Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday afternoons, wherever you may be. Man, it's a little early for me. It's a little early for the show. I normally am live on Sunday night. With the podcast, but uh, this weekend is going to be busy, man. This weekend's busy. Tonight, can't do it live. I would have did it tonight, Saturday night. But tonight, I will be live on Fight TV with House of Glory. And we have our September show entitled Genesis happening tonight. Live from the NYC Arena, Club Amazora in Queens. You guys want to come on out? Tickets are still available. You guys want to watch us live on Fight TV? You guys can certainly do that as well. Cashflow Ken Broadway and Charles Mason battle over the Crown Jewel Championship in a ladder match. The first time ever that we have a ladder match. I can't wait because it's going to be my first time calling a ladder match. Me and Jason, the solid monster, will be on the call. You guys want to join us? You can certainly do that on Fight TV tonight at 7 p.m. And believe me, my complaints were your complaints, and I hope those complaints are rectified tonight coming out of the last show. That's all I'll say. I get where you guys were coming from about the last show, High Intensity. Hopefully, things go a little bit better tonight at Genesis, live on Fight TV, 7 p.m. Tomorrow, I will be uh, out of New York I got some stuff to do, so I will not be available tomorrow. And then Monday, we will be right back at it with Monday Night Raw and a brand new week of content. So you guys got that to look forward to. But we got a lot to get into today, man. And those here, I thank you. We got VIP only. You guys want to get in on the chat? You guys can certainly join the VIP club and become a channel member man we got some great shit coming up for you guys we got seven more emotes for you guys to get involved with that's coming in the next uh hopefully two weeks from what i've been told you guys get two new badges as well you got 36 month and 48 month badges coming up something to give you guys recognition for all your hard work 
So hit that join button, become a channel member. Super Chats are open. We'll hang out at the end of the show as always. You guys know the deal. Hit that thumbs up. We still got people filtering in here on this early Saturday morning. We're going to need a 1,000 likes minimum, no question. No matter what time of the day, no matter where I am, we need a 1,000 likes minimum on the post show or on uh, episode 445 post show. I'm st- I still think I'm talking about SmackDown from last night. I feel like I was just here. But go and do that, guys. Great support for me. Helps me out tremendously. Also, hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. We've got a lot to get into. CM Punk, we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Punk, Wyatt. We're going to talk about War Games. We're going to talk about Bobby Fish, Malachi. People asking for their AEW release. Tons of news, believe it or not, this week. Tons of news. And tonight's show is sponsored by... Established titles, man. I've had a couple of you hit me up saying that, JD, I am now a lord alongside of you. I'm happy to hear. We got established titles sponsoring today's episode 445, man. Established titles. You guys can actually get your name on a plaque and be recognized as a lord or a lady. And you guys can absolutely get this for yourself as well as one square foot of land, dedicated land that you may actually go out there and properly call yourself a lord or a lady. So we'll talk about my friends over at Established Titles. It makes a great gift. It makes a great haha birthday. Christmas is coming up before you know it. At the end of the day, man, it's super fun and super cool. Established Titles. So make sure you guys go check them out. EstablishedTitles.com. Code SCRIPT to save 10% off your first purchase, man. Thank you to them, as always, for sponsoring the show right here on OTS. And if you missed the SmackDown post show, it's on the homepage. Go and check that out. Tons of stuff there. We dove right into it, man. A little harsh on Rampage, but still a good show. Not really a grand slam, but more like a double. SmackDown was great last night. Probably the best SmackDown that Triple H has given us so far in the two months he's been running creative. All in all, some great topical discussion coming out of that show last night. So make sure you guys go check that out live on the homepage right now. We're going to start at the top, man. The first order of business is to talk about war games. This is what really kick-started the week. And Triple H is bringing back War Games and making it, hopefully, a staple at Survivor Series. Survivor Series concept is changing, and this is a welcome breath of fresh air for WWE and Survivor Series because the event absolutely needed it. This was first reported by (coughs) me. Predicted this at SummerSlam, but, uh, I mean, who's counting? First reported by The Ringer. The iconic two-ring match and the stipulation of War Games is coming to WWE and the main roster on November 26th for Survivor Series. Triple H announced this on Monday, I believe it was. He told the ringer the following, and I quote, We'll have a men's and women's War Games match. The tradition of Survivor Series has ebbed and flowed and changed slightly over time. But this will be similar to that. This will not be Raw versus SmackDown. It will be much more storyline-driven. I still look at 
the traditional component of Survivor Series. They will uh, obviously still be there, those components, because it's large teams of people competing. We just upped the ante a little bit with War Games and made it evolve, end quote. War Games, the last time we saw War Games was on NXT 2.0. It was black and gold versus 2.0, and it wasn't really War Games to me. You can't do War Games inside the Performance Center. It's not War Games. And 2.0 doesn't deserve a match stipulation like that because at the end of the day, 2.0 was dog shit. It didn't really mean anything. You kind of alienated that core NXT audience to give way to the casual, casual, casual fan in NXT 2.0. And it almost, I don't want to say almost, it did look completely out of place. Tony Khan has done it brilliantly. Blood and Guts has been one of the most, I would say, marquee things that AEW has done over the last two years. It's been one of the best things to me that they've done all year. It's probably one of the best TV main events that you could possibly ever see, especially in the last 20 years on Dynamite. I thought they did a tremendous job this year. It was fucking incredible. Everything about it was perfect. The visual, the presentation, the match length, the brutality, everything about it was great. Tony Khan has nailed blood and guts. Triple H has done a good job with war games as well. Tony Khan is a little bit more, you know, down to the original way to do war games. He does it very, very similar to what they used to do in the past. Triple H kind of changed it up a little bit. He opened up the top of the cage to give the match a little bit more creativity, to give room for things to breathe and kind of use the top of the cage as a legit weapon instead of keeping everybody contained in the match. There's no doubt in my mind that Triple H is going to have even more to play with and more creativity opening up with war games now taking place on the main roster. As we see, I've been doing this for quite some time. You could see where war games is going. You could have seen this happening at SummerSlam with the way they divided these teams of women. Factions going up against each other. We got Damage Control and Bianca Belair with her group of women trying to take down Damage Control. More will obviously be added and more have been added already to really give you a glimpse as to what the War Games match is going to be come Survivor Series for the women's division. It's the same thing on the men. On the men's side, we got the bloodline. The bloodline is embroiled in multiple things going on right now. We got Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. We got Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. We got Sami Zayn, a part of the bloodline. We have the Usos and possibly the Street Profits. You know, possibly Ricochet and Madcap Moss. We talked about this last night. So you could see where they're going as far as direction is concerned with the war games. The bloodline, Roman Reigns, Jimmy and Jay Uso, Sami Zayn, and Solo Sokoa versus Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Madcap Moss, Ricochet, and possibly one other. We discussed this last night. It could be one of two people, in my honest opinion. One would probably be better than the other. But one of them right now is out with injury, and his name is Randy Orton. I can see Randy Orton coming back to television. He's obviously got a gripe with Roman Reigns. He was the rumored main event for SummerSlam before he went out with a back injury. We don't know how severe the back injury is. 
But we could see Randy Orton come back for Survivor Series and get in there to team with the babyfaces to take on the bloodline. The other guy would be Braun Strowman. He's got history with Drew McIntyre. He's got history with Roman Reigns. It's a perfect fit. And like I said, Braun Strowman probably makes a great plan B because containing his intensity and what he could possibly do in that match, that would be fun to watch. For the ladies, we got the entire damage control faction. I mentioned Sasha Banks and Naomi. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. I just read a report, and we'll talk about it today as well. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane are getting called up to the main roster. It may happen in the next couple of weeks or so. We got a couple of weeks before the season premiere of Raw and SmackDown, season premiere of both main roster shows. We could see new faces on either one of those shows. And Bailey is very keen on both Gigi and JC. So for having them on her team, it would be no surprise to me whatsoever. I don't know if that means all of Toxic Attractions getting called up. I don't know what that means for Mandy Rose. But right now, Mandy Rose got her own deal, uh, her own situation and her own deal to take care of. She's the Unified Women's Champion in NXT. So that is going to be a discussion for a later date. Sasha Banks and Naomi, to me, would be great because it would give them another notch on their belt. First War Games match in the main roster for the women. Who better to put in there than the two key figures of the women's revolution in Bailey and Sasha Banks? First time ever. And it's in Boston. So, I mean, it made sense to me for Sasha to be there. But it may not be Sasha, and they may have all the plans for Sasha Banks outside of War Games. We don't know. But that's what it's looking like right now. So, yes, the creativity is there. Yes, it's going to be great. Yes, right now, the way we see WWE television, it's all making sense. As far as the Survivor Series is concerned, this needed to be changed. Absolutely needed to be changed. For so long, WWE has gotten away with being lazy at the Survivor Series. Oh, yeah, Survivor Series is coming up. We got champion versus champion. It books itself. They don't really need to do anything. Survivor Series for the last couple of years has been an easy out for WWE because Crown Jewel is either happening at the end of October or like the first week of November, and then there's two weeks from that till Survivor Series. Same thing is happening right here tonight. But the way Triple H is doing it, he's not being creatively lazy about it. He's actually booking the show to kind of correlate with what he wants to do at Survivor Series. He's booking Raw and SmackDown with long-term booking, and he's getting those pieces right now in place so that they've been present on television. So when we get to Crown Jewel, it will really be, yeah, we got Roman Reigns and Logan Paul, and we may get some other matches that have to do with Survivor Series. Well, we'll do some fun little matches to set up for Survivor Series. But the story, the focus will already be there on War Games because he's been doing it. He's been doing it coming out of SummerSlam. But Survivor Series desperately needed to be changed, no doubt about it. No more is WWE going to be creatively lazy. No more are we going to have these Raw versus SmackDown matches that don't really mean anything, that, you know, they have this brand warfare and nothing is on the line. I've given idea after idea after idea to make Survivor Series under that concept feel important. And WWE did not want to listen to anybody. They just wanted to take the creatively lazy way out. Now, at least War Games means something. Putting two factions in there and having them walk out victorious in war games is a huge statement to that team, whether it's the Bloodline or Drew McIntyre's team or Damage Control or Bianca Belair. It is a huge statement to the winning faction. And I love the fact that it's not Raw versus SmackDown. 
So many years have gone by. What does the winning team get? Are draft picks going to be included for NXT? Maybe somebody has the number one draft pick coming out of the Survivor Series win, whether it's Raw or SmackDown. Nothing at all, even remotely close to that. They used to keep score tallies. Oh, Raw won 6-1 to one, or SmackDown lost fucking 6-1, to one, whatever. It didn't matter. They built it up during the fucking time. There was no interpromotional brand warfare. Sometimes they manufactured something four weeks right before the pay-per-view to develop some type of rivalry between the brands after ignoring it all year. It just went completely unnoticed. And why would Triple H do something like brand warfare now when it's such a common thing to see a Raw superstar on SmackDown and a tag team Monday Night Raw tag team on SmackDown? It's, it's so fucking stupid. It doesn't make sense. It never made sense. So we're doing away with that. That's great. The other thing that I wanted to call to attention is the fact that WWE normally would have had a draft. They would have had a draft in October. The season premiere would be in correlation with the draft. Rosters are going to change. The foundation of WWE is going to change. Triple H is not having a draft. He's booking the show accordingly to go to what his vision is. He's not booking a draft. If he's saving a draft, he's saving it for after WrestleMania when it's a hard reset. After WrestleMania, it's the new season. It's almost as if the current WWE year is over. Let's begin anew. How do, you, how do we begin anew? With a draft. Shake the rosters up. Let's get everything kind of upside down. Turn everything upside down. That's the right way to do it. We're not doing the draft in October and then booking Survivor Series with some of these fucking men and women who were on Monday Night Raw for four years then all of a sudden get drafted to the other brand and then they have to wrestle for team whatever and they have to show allegiance to that brand and that team and they've only been a part of that brand for three fucking weeks. It's stupid if you do the draft after Monday Night Raw or on Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania it gives you enough time to breathe, to develop stories. That will be more than enough time for Triple H to come up with another set of War Games teams for next year's Survivor Series instead of doing something right now. Everything about this makes sense. Everything about this makes sense. For so long, Survivor Series has been missing Survivor Series. Now we're getting Survivor Series. This is why I was such a big fan of the Deadly Games tournament happening at Survivor Series in 1997. This is why I was such a big fan of the Elimination Chamber happening at Survivor Series, the first ever Elimination Chamber inside Madison Square Garden. That was fantastic. They gave you a real sense of Survivor Series. Haven't felt that way in a long time. It used to be a yearly tradition for me, for WWE to do Survivor Series. Every year, me and my brothers used to sit around the big screen TV in my mom's living room and watch Survivor Series. We used to make it a yearly tradition when we were all living together to watch some old school Survivor Series. The importance of the elimination matches, they meant something. Then it became antiquated and it became outdated. This absolutely desperately needed to change. Now, if Triple H is set on doing this, I wonder what else this leads to. Now, this is opening up Pandora's box, potentially. We could see war games at Survivor Series on a yearly thing as a yearly thing. We could see possibly the King of the Ring tournament coming back and making that a pay-per-view. Vince hated tournaments. Triple H, I can't see him hating tournaments. He won the fucking thing. You know what it did for his career and everybody else that fucking won it. 
King of the Ring possibly coming back in the summer months. Have it happen in July. That's what I would do. Take money in the bank away. Don't make it its own pay-per-view. We put it back at WrestleMania, make it a marquee match at WrestleMania. Put the July pay-per-view as King of the Ring. Winner of the King of the Ring, depending on what brand they are. They go challenge for whichever championship their brand has. You automatically give yourself a main event for SummerSlam. The work is done for you. And it gives meaning to not only the entire pay-per-view, it gives meaning to Raw and SmackDown in the build up to the show because you're having qualifying matches, you're having tournament matches, or whichever the case may be. However concept they want to use or whichever they want to, they, whatever they want to do. To me, I was a fan of the entire tournament on pay-per-view. You want to do some of the semifinal matches and then the finals at the pay-per-view? Fine. Fine. But qualifying matches, if you want to do the whole tournament on a pay-per-view, have the qualifying matches on Raw and SmackDown and give those shows meaning. I love it. You know? This is what needs to be done to make WWE television important. This is just step one. And this is why I'm so excited about Triple H also booking a Royal Rumble and a WrestleMania season. Who knows what that man has up his sleeve? This is absolutely one of the best decisions that WWE could have possibly made in regards to changing anything, let alone changing Survivor Series. Much needed change. I can't wait to see what they got planned, and I'm loving it. This is exciting to me, and I am sure it's exciting to you guys as well. Now, with War Games, this is just one of the latest major WWE changes following Triple H taking over for Vince McMahon. Triple H currently acts as the chief content officer of WWE. Ever since WWE moved to a TV PG rating back in 2008, sightings of blood, this was another thing. Sightings of blood in WWE have been few and far between. When it happens, it happens, you know, legitimately. With intentional blading being all but completely removed from the show and an action punishable with a fine, which famously happened to Batista when he bladed in a steel cage match with Chris Jericho, Rumors of Raw potentially moving to TV 14 have also spurred this talk about blood. Vince McMahon retiring and Cody Rhodes returning to the company. There has been more speculation than before about blood potentially being brought back to WWE programming, as it's still seen basically every week on TBS with AEW Dynamite. With the stipulation match happening at Survivor Series with War Games, basically it's AEW's version of War Games. It's called Blood and Guts, so you know there's going to be blood in there. He was obviously asked about blood and returning blood to the WWE. Triple H said this, and I quote, The world has changed. The world has evolved. I don't think it's necessary. If we have talent that gets cut open, usually you'll see them roll out and they'll get looked at to make sure there's nothing dangerous. I'm just of the opinion right now, given the state of the world, and the pandemic, and at the end of the day, what we do is dangerous enough without intentionally making it more dangerous. Yes, we did feature bleeding for a long period of time, but we've changed that practice, and it's irresponsible to go back. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire 
faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, I don't want to say that he's wrong, because he's not wrong. Honestly, if it happens, you can't help it. Honestly, if they've done away with it intentionally, and it happens when it happens, it's only a great thing because we see so less of it, or so so little of it, that when it happens, like, oh shit, it adds that extra element, that extra dynamic to a match, and it ups the ante. Now, if you do it every fucking week like John Moxley or AEW does, it's a little desensitizing. You see, and it's like, oh, shit, there's another one. Another match where he's bleeding. But at the end of the day, the one thing that we complained about when we go into a Hell in a Cell, when we go into a War Games, when we go into an Elimination Chamber, I'm not saying that you have to intentionally do it every single time we have one of those matches, but if the feud calls for it and the feud could benefit from it, why not give us the visual of a little color? I'm not saying you have to intentionally send Cody Rhodes out there to Blade or Seth Rollins to go out there and Blade or Roman Reigns to go out there and Blade. I think blading is ridiculous. I would never do that to myself. But there are ways around it. They make movies. Vince always said they make movies, right? Make me a movie. Sometimes when you put two guys that are in a blood feud together inside a, a cage or a hell in a cell or war games. I want some color. It only adds to the overall dramatic feel of the match. So he's not wrong, but I do think at the end of the day, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Triple H gave the PG very PR answer here to whoever publication he was talking to, right? But at the end of the day, Triple H may be thinking the same way that I'm thinking here or I'm thinking the same way that he's possibly thinking that if we get into war games, he may add a little color and they may go back and use that old Vince McMahon ideology of we make movies, make me a fucking movie. If Drew McIntyre wants to get the bloodline so badly and wants to get back at Roman Reigns, a little color will not be a bad thing on either one of those guys or anybody in that feud. So we'll see what happens there when we get to November 26th. Speaking of uh, Drew McIntyre, Clash of the Castle ended with Drew McIntyre singing Kumbaya with Tyson Fury. Now, depending on who you talk to, it was not supposed to happen. The cameras didn't cut. Whichever the case may be, it made Drew McIntyre look foolish because I think at the end of the day, we all saw it. And it did not look good for him. He just lost the biggest match of his career. And he's over there singing, smiling, and acting as if nothing bad happened to him. It was ridiculous. Triple H said that he spoke to Tyson Fury for quite some time that weekend, and they've been in contact. Now, Triple H said this, and I quote, in regards to Tyson Fury, he believes that Tyson Fury has the potential to do something special with WWE. I think Tyson Fury is chomping at the bit to get in the ring. Now, the question is, which ring will he get into? Is it going to be the boxing ring? Is it going to be a WWE ring? 
We were just together in Cardiff. We had a long talk about it. He's as enamored as ever in wanting to do this with us. I think he knows he's got a few big fights left in him in the boxing world. I think he's going to capitalize on those fights, as you are hearing. Selfishly, I want him to come work with us. Of course you do. Also, selfishly, I want to see those fights. I hope he knocks those out, and I hope he stays interested because I do think with the dedication and the drive that he has, he could do something special with us as well. Now, I don't know why I put this in the news, but it was in there, and I want to make sure you guys know where I stand on this. Tyson Fury, you know, with the talk of him being at Clash of the Castle, I, I thought that they used him beautifully at Clash of the Castle. He was sitting front row. They didn't interject him in the storyline. He wasn't on weekly television. He wasn't making it about him or partially about him. It should have been all about Drew, and that's what they did. And they did a great job at it. They went to Cardiff. They had 60,000 plus. He was sitting front row right behind the commentary table. And Austin Theory came out and he knocked Austin Theory out. He wanted to preserve the title match as best as he could. Now, I mean, he's Tyson Fury. I don't know why anybody's going to question why he does what he does. But he put his hand on a performer and he's a ticket buyer. He's a fan in that moment. No fines, no suspensions, no warning, or, or no anything. So they didn't really answer that whole realm of questioning, but, I mean, it's Tyson Fury at the end of the day. They used him perfectly. That's what he should be doing. Roles like that, appearances like that for WWE. I don't think anybody has an interest in seeing Tyson Fury wrestle for WWE. Once was enough, and that was in Saudi Arabia against Braun Strowman. Never do I want to see that again. It was probably one of the worst WWE matches in the last 15 to 20 years. Nobody wants to see that. Now, if he wants to do something WWE related, I could see him doing something like what he did at Cardiff. But other than that, I think we keep Tyson Fury out of the ring. I don't know when his boxing matches happen. I don't know how frequently boxing matches happen, especially with somebody like Tyson Fury's background and you know his level of competition. We, we, we could be talking about three, four, five years for the next couple of fights. We have no fucking idea, you know? But at the end of the day, if he's going to get done with the boxing world and he's going to want to jump to the WWE world, he's only going to be two, three, four years older than he is now. And he's going to be less than what we see of him now. That doesn't mean I want to see him in the ring wrestling. A bodyguard, an enforcer, a manager, a trainer... Something along those lines. In-ring performer? No, thank you. News on several name changes and non-name changes within WWE. Changes happening weekly. I love to keep up to date on everything. Several WWE names have changed internally within WWE. And Fightful has asked about clarification on some. Matt Riddle is now Matt Riddle. He was just Riddle before in the Vince McMahon era. Austin Theory is now Austin Theory. He was just Theory in the Vince McMahon era. Both got their full names back upon Triple H taking over creative. Fightful's actually heard that both were fine with proceeding with just one name, but updates on others have now come out. Fightful Select recently reported that Tommaso Ciampa also regained his first name back, and Tommaso Ciampa is what he was going under on NXT and on the Indies. However, there are numerous others on the roster that don't have their... Full names back yet. Shotzi Blackheart, 
is still going by Shotzi. I don't know when that's going to happen. Triple H is probably waiting to get her on TV a little bit more regularly. Angel Garza is still Angel. I don't like it. Angel Garza is his name. Who's Angel? It could be anybody. Humberto Carrillo is still Humberto. They're all listed by just one name within the company after having their last names removed on screen due to Vince McMahon. Shotzi, there's also rumors about her regaining her tank. So maybe WWE is slowly but surely going to roll these things out one after the other. They don't want to have everybody. Yep, we're going to undo the name changes. He's going to do it as he sees fit appropriately to when they are on television. Shotzi looks to be one of the women in the War Games match, potentially. She's been saving Raquel Rodriguez. She's been going up against damage control. So we could see Shotzi Blackheart get her name back the more we start to see her on television. Same with the others. But her tank potentially is coming back. Plans were put in place last week for that. Scarlet is not listed with Scarlet Bordeaux. She's just Scarlet, which... That's one of the very, very, very few that I don't mind going by one name. Scarlet is good enough as a character name for her. We don't need Scarlet Bordeaux. Scarlet, keep it simple. Bobby Lashley is still going by Bobby Lashley, but internally he's still listed as just Lashley. That was WWE's uh, motto, Vince McMahon's motto. So internally on the line sheets, he's still listed as Lashley, but on TV his name is Bobby Lashley. Pete Dunne is still listed as Butch. He's not listed as Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne, we are seeing slowly but surely the bruiserweight come on out. He looks better than ever. And he looks great on WWE television in what we've seen of him so far. Hopefully that Butch goes away and we get Pete Dunne eventually. Some type of storyline there. But right now, right now it's not bothering us. You don't really see people complaining about the name anymore. People were complaining about the name because it was name and then the presentation that looked ridiculous. Now that he's Butch, you don't think Triple H realizes that Pete Dunne wrestling as the bruiserweight with the name Butch looks fucking ridiculous? Butch is not going to be headlining major shows. Nobody by the name Butch is going to be headlining major shows. Right now, we are not complaining about the name because he's given us something that we remember of the old Pete Dunne and he's embroiled in some great shit. With Imperium and the Brawling Brutes, they all look great. So the name will happen in time. Let's get through this first, and let's worry about Gunther and Sheamus. I'm not complaining about Gunther anymore. I'm not complaining about Fabian Eichner being, you know, Giovanni Vinci or Bartel being Ludwig Kaiser. They are Imperium, and they're being treated correctly. That's the problem. Vince didn't give a shit about these guys, and he wasn't doing anything creatively with them. So it made the names look worse. Now that Triple H is actually giving us some great booking, the names are the least of our concerns. We don't care because we're getting good television. So yes, Pete Dunne, I do believe, is going to end up coming back. Another no change is that Seth Rollins is still being listed as Seth freaking Rollins. I don't really care for the nickname. It's more for merchandising shit, I believe. But Seth Rollins, to me, I, I never call him Seth freaking Rollins when I'm doing a review or... I'm talking to somebody. It sounds ridiculous. Hey, man, did you go? Did you watch that Seth freaking Rollins match? No. Did you watch that Seth match? Did you watch that Rollins match? Did you watch that Seth Rollins match? Seth Rollins, blah, blah, blah. Seth freaking Rollins. I don't think there's a normal human being right now that talks pro wrestling that's calling him Seth freaking Rollins. It's ridiculous. It's for merchandise only. It's for the little kids only. They want to keep it fine. 
Doesn't bother me at all. He's still Seth Rollins. He still acts like Seth Rollins. He still wrestles like Seth Rollins. At the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything. So I'm good with that, but more name changes are going to be on the way. More major clues in WWE's Bray Wyatt White Rabbit tease. All these clues are leading to Bray Wyatt coming back to the WWE. We saw one on Monday, and we saw one on Friday. This is the first week of these clues, and people are now deciphering these clues, and they're trying to be internet sleuths out there. Everybody wants to be the modern-day fucking uh, Columbo or uh, CSI out here. Bray Wyatt will be back in the WWE. I think everybody's kind of on the know here or in the know. that Bray Wyatt's going to be back in the WWE. I- I've been saying this for months. There's one place that Bray Wyatt's going to go. It's WWE. For the simple fact of the matter that he wants to close up whatever was left unfinished when they unceremoniously released him. Now, over the last days, the last couple of days, Raw, SmackDown, WWE has given you this white rabbit, the whole theme of the white rabbit. We got Jefferson Airplane playing at house shows and during intermissions at Raw and SmackDown. Lights are dimmed down. People start bringing out the phones and they start doing the fireflies. They did it at house shows in Anaheim. They did it in Bakersfield. They did it on Monday. They did it again on SmackDown. There's been speculation that the song could be used for Karrion Cross. That was debunked. Karrion Cross may still be a part of it, but Karrion Cross right now is not really the topic of discussion. Everything that we are seeing with our eyes is very Bray Wyatt related. Now, Karrion Cross was known as the White Rabbit in Lucha Underground, while Wyatt recently had talks about WWE, or with WWE rather, about a possible return. I don't know what was left on the table there. It more than likely was a mixture of both cash and creative, or just cash, because he was one of the highest paid superstars in the entire company. He was right under Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for the highest paid talent in the company before they let him go. After a backstage segment on Raw, we saw Austin Theory in a backstage segment. A QR code was seen in the background. You scanned it, it takes you to a video on WWE.com featuring a white rabbit. The video asked the question, who killed the world? Now, the letters filled in before the hangman game completed. The question was, who killed the world? The answer was, you did. But as we're guessing the letters, or as the the white rabbit in this video is guessing the letters, we see the white rabbit jumping on different letters to try and figure out what the answer to this question is. And the first five letters that the white rabbit jumps on, he goes D-E-M-O-N. It spells demon. So people picked up on that, which was very weird. So the answer to the question was, you did And then there was this graphic, this little swirly, hypnotizing little graphic with the white rabbit right there. And in the center, there was a black hole that said, come with me. Come with me is something that Bray Wyatt has said in the very, very, very early days of the Bray Wyatt character via promo. Seen something last night where he's talking about come with me. He mentioned his father. So all of these things are lining up with Bray Wyatt. 
The letters in the answer to the question, who killed the world? You did. The letters in the font of the letter, very, very similar, if not the exact font that WWE used on Bray Wyatt merchandise before he was let go. So yes, all of this is now lining up with Bray Wyatt. Then we see the 923. We see 923 flashing white and blue, white and blue, white and blue. And then on the white side, we see a plain white bunny rabbit, a plain white rabbit. And then on the blue side, we see a white rabbit, but he's got red eyes. So people are correlating 923. What time is it? Is it 923? Yes, one of those things had to do with the time. At 923, someone in the crowd on Monday Night Raw held up a fucking QR code. Literally, for you to scan. QR codes are now their thing. So someone held up a QR code. The other 923, the white 923, led us to SmackDown. So SmackDown was going to get another tease. People were like, oh, we're going to see Bray Wyatt in Salt Lake. No, Bray Wyatt's not going to reveal himself in fucking Salt Lake City, okay? That would be ridiculous. But this all led to another tease, and that's exactly what it was. So we get to SmackDown. We get to SmackDown, and we get last night, it looked like, it almost kind of looked like a Legend of Zelda little fucking 2D Legend of Zelda. You're walking through the fucking dungeon and you see these fucking fires going everywhere. You got to evade the fire. It almost looked like a mixture of Zelda, this 2D Zelda game, or Pac-Man. Bunny Rabbit's jumping through this fucking maze. He's trying to evade the fire. In the center of the puzzle's a red door. He eventually gets to the red door and he goes through the red door. We see this next scene where the Bunny Rabbit's jumping through the red door and he jumps through the red door and we get Patricide. And we get coordinates that lead to Entman, Alberta on Monday's Raw. Or Edmonton, I believe they are. So we get to Monday Night Raw with these coordinates. And we get the bunny rabbit jumping through the red door with the word patricide. Patricide is also another word for Bray Wyatt because he used the definition of this word in an earlier promo. In the same promo, he talked about come with me. Patricide means to kill one's father. Pretty fucking sick, pretty demented, but that's what we saw. All of this now again lines up with Bray Wyatt. Now, if you also noticed on Monday Night Raw, two things happened on Raw and SmackDown that I want to bring to your attention. During the Alexa Bliss Bailey match, apparently the lights went out. The narrative about Alexa Bliss was Alexa Bliss doesn't seem like herself, she seems like a shell. Of her former self. She seems weak, right? I don't know what they're insinuating there, but the lights did go out during the Alexa Bliss and Bailey match. It seems to me like she may be getting a character makeover or she may be involved with the return of Bray Wyatt. In what way? I don't know. I don't really know. Is he going to target Alexa Bliss? Because at the end of the day, I mean, the fiend went away and Alexa Bliss carried on. The Fiend went away, he basically was burned, and he was killed off, right? And Alexa Bliss carried the gimmick, she had the power. Is Bray Wyatt going to turn on, on Alexa Bliss? Is she going to be targeted? I have no idea. A lot of people correlated Alexa Bliss to Sister Abigail. I don't think Alexa Bliss plays that role well at all. She did fine when she was there, but right now there may be another, better, suitable choice for Abby the Witch. So we got Alexa Bliss and the lights going out on SmackDown. Right before 9.23, we go to commercial. 
But the last thing that we see on SmackDown before 923 is Karrion Cross and Scarlett destroying Drew McIntyre. Scarlett throwing a fireball at Drew McIntyre. Karrion Cross choking out Drew McIntyre. 923, right at commercial break. Does that have anything to do with what we're seeing here? Is all of this somehow aligned and involved? I don't know. But the thing is, speculation is now picking up. People are now, and this could be people just in their own fucking imaginations, coming up with things that they would do. But this is why sometimes the IWC is great and sometimes the IWC is shit. Sometimes you get bad seeds. Sometimes you get fucking assholes that don't belong here. And sometimes you get people that really are creative, that really makes you look and think, hey, this is a good fucking idea. I could see this happening. Are we looking at Bray Wyatt and the Wyndham Six on our televisions without actually seeing it play out? We don't know what's going on yet, but we are seeing things just kind of line up to a point where it may be that. Who is the Wyatt Six? I don't know. I don't know. Could be Alexa Bliss. Could be Wyatt himself. Could be Cross. Could be Scarlet. Could be Dexter Loomis. Why Dexter Loomis? Why Cross? Why Scarlet? Cross is the White Rabbit. Cross could have the White Rabbit thing actually be for him. He blasted it on social media saying that it's not him. Flattered to be remembered for being the White Rabbit. But keep watching. Assume nothing, he says. Call me a killer. Guilty as charged. However, I wouldn't look to me as a suspect for any of this. I'm an innocent killer. People are reaching for answers and have no idea what to grasp for. Keep watching and have fun. That's what I'm doing. He didn't really outwardly say, no, it's not me. But why would he? When tasked with something like that and you want to address the rumors like that, why would you give a solid answer? Yes, it's me. No, it's not me. He gave you the dance around. If I was cross, I wouldn't have said anything. I wouldn't have said anything. But either way you look at it, it's going to be added fuel to the speculation because if he said nothing, then people are going to be like, hey, he didn't say anything, so yeah, it's him. But he actually said something, but he never gave a solid answer. No, I'm not the white rabbit. I have nothing to do with this. I have nothing to do with this. I wouldn't look to me as a suspect for any of this. I'm an innocent killer. He spoke in a way that Cross would speak to give you, hey, it may not be him, but also could still be him. I don't know. 923, we go to commercial. Cross is destroying McIntyre. Scarlett's throwing a fireball at McIntyre before all that. Could we see Cross as the White Rabbit? Scarlett, she's a fucking witch, right? She's got witchcraft-like personality. She could be Abby the Witch. We could see Dexter Loomis. A lot of people correlated Dexter Loomis with what he's doing with The Miz. Dexter Loomis could be Mercy the Buzzard. I don't know what Mercy the Buzzard has to do with anything, but Mercy the Buzzard was a take on Waylon Mercy, old school WWE character. Dexter Loomis could be playing the version of, of, of Waylon Mercy and Mercy the Buzzard. This whole thing with The Miz. Six weeks now, going on seven weeks, come Monday in our row, we don't have one solid answer as to why he abducted The Miz, why he's targeting The Miz, and what he did to The Miz. Not one answer, not one crumb. They don't have a match lined up for Extreme Rules yet, but we got nothing. 
That's not in Triple H's wheelhouse to not give us anything. He's going to give us something to be talking about. He's given us nothing. We've seen nothing but hijinks and shenanigans from Dexter Loomis. Cutting up through the ring and abducting, showing up at the Miz's house, showing up in the back of a rental car. Same shit that we've seen Dexter Loomis do time and time and time again. Could we see Dexter Loomis a part of the Wyatt Six? I don't know. Could Alexa Bliss be a part of the Wyatt Six? Where would Alexa Bliss fit into all of this Wyndham Six? Is it the Firefly Funhouse characters coming to life? I have no idea. No idea. But it's very interesting to come up with these theories. Very interesting to talk about it. And it's going to create a buzz within WWE that we haven't seen or felt in a very long time. WWE's been very tight-lipped about this. So far, no talent or on-screen staff that Fightful has heard back from have been informed of what exactly the Bray Wyatt White Rabbit references are about. Though almost unanimous reaction in the locker room is that the speculation is that it's Bray Wyatt. Fightful had reported recently that higher-ups in the company believed that the possibility of Wyatt's returning to the company was significantly higher under Triple H. WWE sources have also confirmed that the contact had been made between them and Wyatt and that there were numerous people of influence who had interest in bringing him back and believed it was going to happen. Thus far, we've only been, well, we've been unable to confirm that Wyatt is back with the WWE, but numerous in the company expected to happen sooner rather than later. And some say it's just a matter of time, which right now we're seeing play out on our televisions. If you guys are on Twitter, you saw a video that was leaked by somebody. I don't know who. I don't know who got their hands on it, but why it was training in the ring. It could have been yesterday. It could have been fucking two years ago. We don't know. But he was in a video training for possibly an in-ring return, which may have spoiled the entire thing because if he's not back, why would he be there on, why would somebody be filming him? He can go to the gym every day, just work out, just on his own. Wants to be in shape. He wants to feel good. So be it. But somebody filmed this and intentionally put it on the internet to spawn speculation even more so on top of what we're getting. So it may lead to eventually being Bray Wyatt and this just kind of ousted the entire thing. There are some involved with the production element of the company who are also un, you know, uninformed about this. They're usually briefed about such things. They've yet to be clued in on what the teases represent. The situation is being played very close to the vest within the company. There have also been numerous references in backstage teases, crows popping up backstage, uh, which everything that they do is intentional. However, those responsible for delivering props and directing them also haven't included those in their list of props that have to be brought to the tapings that goes out company-wide to those who need to be in the know. Amongst the 20-plus in the company that we've spoke to at FIFA, they almost all agreed that WWE's new regime would have to deliver on this tease. The hourglass element in the teaser, the first teaser on Monday Night Raw, have led some to think that it could be Killer Cross or that he may be involved. One longtime staff member says they wouldn't have found that to be a disappointing reintroduction for Cross, but doesn't think the company, specifically the new creative regime, would implement that for someone who had been back for almost two months now. Another top star said that paying off a tease like this is something integral in setting the tone for shows moving forward. I agree. 
a reintroduction for Cross. If this was the first time we saw Cross with these vignettes popping up and then we saw Cross, I would get, yeah, carrying Cross. WWE brought Cross back in the same way that he was in NXT. It just, you know, just a little bit more, you know, built. He's got hair now. He's got Scarlet. He's got the entrance. He's got the theme. He's got the smoke. He's got everything that he was in NXT. Why would you bring him back, do that for two months, and then all of a sudden change his gimmick and change his theme and change his look and change his presentation? Does it make sense? It never made sense. It's not Cross as the White Rabbit. We may still see Cross involved in this somehow, but that doesn't mean his gimmick is changing. He's still going to be carrying Cross. And whoever said, another top star saying, something like this is going to set the tone for shows moving forward. I, I agree with that 100% as well. It's going to set the tone. WWE is going to be on such a fucking absolute high as far as fan interest if this leads to what the fans want it to be. And now they're going to be at a level of expectation where they have to deliver on everything and make right with him where Vince failed. And it's going to set the tone. If Triple H and Bray Wyatt can come up creatively for something to really erase everything that happened with Vince McMahon and the way he handled The Fiend, it's going to set the tone. It's really going to set the tone. Triple H has done a great job now, but if he can get this right and they can work cohesively with Wyatt to get that across... It's going to up the ante for WWE shows. It's going to make the WWE shows better. The storylines are going to be greater. It's definitely going to set the tone, and WWE is going to have to take a step back and say, how do we top what we did there? Continue to top itself moving forward, going into the Rumble, going into WrestleMania. I'm excited. I really am excited about all this, and I think it's going to be a great reveal when it is eventually Bray Wyatt, but it could be more than just Bray Wyatt, which definitely has people talking. Moving on to SmackDown. Backstage news on why WWE booked Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. This should come to no surprise. I knew this was the reason. I've seen people clip me on TikTok as if I didn't know the fucking reason. I know the reason. This is why I hate what I do sometimes. People, you know, they're not going to obviously watch a two-hour stream or two-and-a-half-hour stream. They want to pick apart the part that's going to get them the most attention and make me look stupid or make them look smarter than me, which barely anybody out there is. I know what I'm doing, and I do what I do to a high level, okay? I know why they're doing this match in Saudi Arabia. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. Following the announcement that Logan Paul will challenge for the Universal title and Roman Reigns, some fans have wondered why WWE is doing this match. Logan Paul has a huge social media following, and the match is expected to draw in some non-wrestling fans but the reason why this match is happening has to do more with Saudi Arabia. This was explained by Dave Meltzer on the Sunday night's main event show on TSN Radio. Little story, little sidetrack before we get into what Meltzer said. I was picking up my iPhone 14 last week. So while I was transferring my data from the old phone to the new phone, had a little bit to go, it was about 20, 25 minutes, told the representative at the AT&T shop, you know, I'm going to go to Dunkin' Donuts right up the street. I'm going to get myself a sandwich and a cup of coffee. Going to Dunkin' Donuts and these kids who are just getting out of school, we are in line. I get my coffee. I go wait for my sandwich. And these kids walk in. They had to be about, uh, I don't know, maybe freshmen in high school, maybe, around that age. They mentioned Logan Paul. Did you guys see Logan Paul 
challenged this wrestler. They didn't know who Roman Reigns was. And they were hyping up the, or they were talking about uh, Logan Paul, talking about it, you know, on his podcast or his YouTube channel. So when I heard Logan Paul, I'm like, oh shit, Logan Paul's in the news for this. So they might be talking about that and wondering what's going on with that. Yes, I get it. It's going to bring in a non-wrestling fan. It's going to bring a casual fan. It's going to bring Logan Paul's fans over to WWE. That's great. But how many of them are going to stay is the question. You may get interest for that week, that night, the week following. And then after that, when you build towards the next event and you go into Survivor Series, it's going to be a whole new thing all over again. And most of those people aren't going to give a shit about WWE. You'll be lucky to get 1% of those fans to stay and actually enjoy your product. They're mostly there for Logan Paul. But I get why they're doing it. He's a big deal in Saudi Arabia, says Dave Meltzer. He's a big deal to the Saudi Arabian prince. And that's the whole thing with these shows. Meltzer added that the show has nothing to do with selling tickets because it's a sold show. He said, nothing to do with tickets. Tickets in Saudi Arabia mean nothing. It's not even part of the game. It's not. WWE gets paid to perform there. The prince fills the stadium with whoever he wants. 20,000, 25,000, so be it. It is all mostly Saudi government officials. It is family and those deemed, uh, yes, you could go to the show. That's it. The tickets are already sold. It doesn't matter. So, of course, TV numbers, whatever, they do matter. If you draw younger viewers, if you draw younger viewers, that's good. And it's not a play for TV ratings. It is a play because the prince wants celebrity fights in Saudi Arabia to build a name in the media of Saudi Arabia. And Logan Paul will get more of the type of press that Saudi Arabia is looking for than Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins, who make more sense. Meltzer continued, that's what Saudi Arabia is there for. Saudi Arabia is for matches that the prince wants that will get press attention around the world for Saudi Arabia. So this is a great match for them. End quote. Now, Roman Reigns is not losing the title. I think you see these accounts on there. Right, Logan Paul is going to beat Roman Reigns. No, give me a break. Roman Reigns is not losing the fucking title. We didn't come all this way for Roman Reigns to lose to Logan fucking Paul. Give me a fucking break, okay? At the end of the day, I get what they are saying. I get what Melch is saying. I get why they are doing it, but nobody gives a fuck here about making Saudi Arabia a destination for big fucking fights. You're not going to Saudi Arabia unless you're serving in the fucking military or some military presence, Navy, military, Army, whatever. Nobody gives a fuck about... Saudi Arabia's media presence or making Saudi Arabia a destination fucking event or a destination place for events like this. Nobody gives a shit. You, me, and all of us normal people are never in this lifetime or the next 10 are going to go visit Saudi Arabia. Why would we? Why would we want to go? Why would you even desire to go to Saudi Arabia? Why? I don't even think WWE wants to go. The only reason why they're going is because they're being paid. They're being paid, and money makes people do ridiculous things. And this is ridiculous. But my question is, my gripe is, if it's such a nothing show, right? And we've yet to see it because WWE's building towards Extreme Rules. We'll get a little bit more build towards Crown Jewel after Extreme Rules is over. WWE's doing one thing at a time. Triple H is doing one thing at a time. You know, at that point, we'll have four weeks 
three weeks, three and a half weeks, four weeks before Crown Jewel coming out of Extreme Rules. We're going to get billed as if it's a regular pay-per-view. So if it's a nothing show, right? If it's a nothing match that will mean nothing at the end of it all, it's just done for the prince. You're wasting, you're wasting television time, my television time for what could be billed towards war games. You're wasting my television time for something that you're telling me doesn't matter, but we got to watch four weeks of bill for something that doesn't matter. For something that is basically for them, where nobody gives a shit about it, and something that doesn't matter that is for the world championship of WWE. I'm sorry. You want me to care about something that doesn't matter, but we have to worry about it because it's going to be on TV here for the next four weeks. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So yes, I get why they're doing it. Fine. But you're asking me as a content creator to go out there and say, yeah, you know, I'm not going to cover the show. Of course I have to fucking cover the show. It's a WWE marquee match where the world championship is on the line with the biggest name in the fucking company. And there will be other things that happen on that show that will not be Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. The last time WWE went to Saudi, what was it, Elimination Chamber? Elimination Chamber was a good show. It was a very good show. So I'm not going to skip out because I don't give a shit about Saudi Arabia. I don't give a shit about Saudi Arabia. Nobody gives a shit about Saudi Arabia. But the fact of the matter is WWE has put these shows on their pay-per-view calendar. So yes, they do mean something, even though people like Meltzer and everybody else in the community, oh, it doesn't really matter for us. Of course it matters for us. I'm a content creator. Everything that the company does matters to me. I can't skip the show. Otherwise, I would. People don't know when it's logical and not. I think everybody needs to shut the fuck up and let me do my job. I don't want to waste my time on something that you're telling me is not a big deal. It's only a big deal to the prince. Of course it's a big fucking deal. We're going to be seeing it for the next six weeks on television. Monday Night Raw draws the lowest viewership since July 4th and went up against two NFL games. This is what I was afraid of. This is what I was afraid of, man. Triple H cannot let this bother him. Triple H cannot let this get to him. It would happen to anybody. It would have happened to anybody. Monday Night Raw, I was afraid coming out of their great, you know, run at the twos, they were doing 2.0, 2.1. Now they're down to a 1.5. Monday Night Football had two NFL games on Monday night. I don't know why there was two Monday night games. I'm thinking, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, you know, NFL used to have Thursday night games. They used to split the games up during the week, Monday, Thursday, some on Saturday, sometimes sometimes towards late in the season, Sunday, right? They want to get the NFL games out there. Thursday night football was a big deal. I, I don't know what the ratings are for a Thursday night football game, but it seems like they're moving away more from Thursday and they're loading up Monday. Because everybody watches football on Monday. Triple H is going to have a very difficult time trying to keep a steady rating for the entire duration of the NFL season. Until at least late in the season when the, you know, some of the games and some of the playoffs, you know, you know, they've already been determined. Playoffs will be determined at that point. There may be one big game that has huge playoff implications somewhere down the line. We'll, we'll never know until we get late in the season. But right now, it's not looking good for WWE. They were drawing a 2-0, 2-1 
Last week, they did a 1.709. This week, they did a 1.593. The 18 to 49 demo did a 0.45. That was up uh, just slightly from a 0.44 last week. The show went up against NFL coverage on ABC and ESPN, two games. The ESPN game averaged 6.574 million viewers, 2.14 in the key demo, and the ABC game averaged over 12 million viewers which did a 3.02 rating in the demo. So Monday Night Raw right now, it's in a, uh, I wouldn't say it's in a boatload of trouble, but I think everybody at USA Network, Triple H, and WWE expected this to happen. Number five in the cable top 150, they were up actually from last week, which was number seven. He needs to continue booking the shows the way he's going to continue booking the shows. I would not, skimp on anything. I, again, I said this last week. I don't want him to die and roll over like Vince McMahon did. He put shit on the show that nobody gave a fuck about. He booked the show as if he didn't give a shit because he figured everybody was going to watch Monday Night Football. Triple H cannot do that at all. He needs to continue to stay steady and give us the vision that he's got going into Extreme Rules, going into Crown Jewel, going into uh, Survivor Series. You cannot skimp on the show. Just book the show People will watch it at their earliest convenience, and if they really want to watch it, they'll DVR it. They'll go watch clips on YouTube where the ratings may be down. Your other social media aspects and numbers and analytics may be up because nobody wants to watch a three-hour show if their football team is playing on Monday night, and they'll consume the product via other outlets on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, whatever the case may be, and they may get their answers or the answers that they need through that. It's not that big of a deal. But Monday Night Football coming up, again, it's going to be another 1.5 rating, 1.6 rating, because the Cowboys are playing the Giants, and that's a big fucking game. So Monday Night Raw is going to be in a world of hurt for at least most of the NFL season with Monday Night Football. Cody Rhodes, speaking of Monday Night Raw, he actually broke his silence. He explains why doctors won't give him a timeline for return. Now, we all know that he's injured, torn pec muscle completely off the bone. He wrestled Hell in a Cell against Seth Rollins in one of the most heroic matches that I think all of us have ever seen. He spoke to TMZ Sports. The injury typically takes anywhere from six to seven months to heal. He's saying he could be out for nine months. Stretching it, of course, is what they usually do. He spoke to TMZ Sports, and Rhodes noted that he's getting closer to making a WWE return. He also stated that doctors won't give him a timeline for when he could return to in-ring action because they know he would try to return quicker than they would recommend, which could lead to him re-injuring himself. He says this, and I quote, No complaints. They've treated me like the house that built me, which they were. And honestly, it was amazing. We were back, and everything was rolling so fast. And then I tore my peck. It was like the three best months of my life, hopefully Get back to that soon. I was told that I have to, that I have the strength of an 11 year old, but I was pretty strong in 11, hopefully soon. Then Rhodes was asked about a timeline for his return. He says, and I quote, You know, they haven't really given me one. They know I'm stupid and I tried to test it. I've gotten my mind where I want to be, and I think a lot of fans have in their minds where I'd like me to be, and that's hopefully where it's at which he's basically implying the Royal Rumble, but not really actually saying the Royal Rumble. Right now, I do actually agree with what's going on because I think what happens next, hopefully, 
And what we do, and this is all speculative, obviously, all up in the air. Hopefully, it's a run that people remember, and I got to be healthy for it. He's not going to give you a timeline for when he comes back because they want you to think it's the nine months. Cody Rhodes will probably be ready by the time Survivor Series rolls around. This happened early, right in the beginning of the summer. He probably will be ready to go at the end of October, all through November. I would give him till end of November, December to be ready to go. But they're not going to bring him back. He's going to continue training. He's going to get right. He's going to get his strength back. He's going to be in the gym, continue to rehabilitate, work out, get back to where he was before he got injured. And he's going to show up in the Royal Rumble, preferably at number one or number two with Seth Rollins. And he's going to win the Royal Rumble. That's what I would do. Do not show me Cody Rhodes until we get Cody Rhodes at the Royal Rumble. It is going to make his inevitable WWE title run that much more epic. And I hope to God, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, number one and two, they last all the way through the Rumble, and they are the last two men remaining. That would be fucking absolutely epic. That would be incredible. And then Cody Rhodes can go on to do whatever he's got to do. Now, this all is obviously up in the air. We don't know what the WWE World title situation is going to be. Is Roman going to drop one of those titles before WrestleMania? Is Roman going to relinquish the title, the WWE title anyway, and put it back on Raw? We don't know the future of the WWE title. Is he going to not wrestle Cody Rhodes? And the championship is going to be on Roman to defend against The Rock. Is Roman going to wrestle night one and night two of WrestleMania? There's so many different possibilities. We don't know. Let's start at the top. Let's check off that one thing that we need to have happen. If Cody Rhodes is going to be in the WrestleMania main event, again, it all depends on The Rock. Let's have him win the Royal Rumble. I think we'll get our answers going into Royal Rumble WrestleMania season about the WWE title, the Universal title, and what WWE plans to do. They don't want Roman to lose, but they also want him to walk into WrestleMania champion. Nobody ever said that he has to walk into WrestleMania as both champions. So we'll see. Their fucking pipe dream about Dwayne and Roman at WrestleMania, you know, it really doesn't need to be for the championships. You're really tying up a major fucking storyline, one of the best that we could possibly see of this generation, tying up the titles and possibly taking away that storyline for Dwayne Johnson and The Rock, two guys that don't need the championship to get their point across for that match. Why would you do that? They want Roman to be the greatest ever. They want him to beat The Rock as champion. Okay, what do you do after that? What do you do after that? If Rock beats Roman, or if uh, Roman beats Rock, rather, and he's the champion and he retains the title, right, what do you do with both championships after that? Oh, he's going to give one up and bring it back to Monday Night Raw via the draft. Well, you could have did that before the fucking draft on Monday Night Raw. So you were going to, you're waiting to do something that you were going to do anyway and then potentially ruin a Cody Rhodes match at WrestleMania. And God forbid Roman loses the titles to The Rock. What good would that make? If Roman can't beat The Rock, I guess he's not really the tribal chief. He's not really the head of the table. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Just do one of the options that I already have brought to the table. I gave you four fucking ideas. One of those should work. Just have him relinquish the WWE title. That's it. Put it on the line in the Royal Rumble. Put a fucking tournament together. Whatever the case may be. Do it. If you want to rock and do, if you want to do rock and Roman, you could do it for one title. It doesn't need to be for two titles. NXT. 
two NXT stars are headed to the main roster. Gigi Dolan and JC Jane seem to be imminent main roster call-ups. Now, they're obviously a part of Toxic Attraction. Mandy Rose is the leader of Toxic Attraction. She's the NXT Women's Champion. Dolan and Jane were used on the main roster a couple of times. They made their SmackDown debuts on August 19th by defeating Natalia and Sonya Deville. Uh, they were in the Women's Tag Team Title Tournament. They replaced Zoe Stark and uh, <laughs> Nikita Lyons. <coughs> Sorry, uh, Alex is kicking up. Uh, Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark in the tournament. They were pulled from the tournament following the victory due to an injury to Dolan where she suffered a concussion. Now, in the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that there has been talk of Dolan and Jane moving to the main roster for a while now, and the former NXT Women's Tag Team Champions recently wrestled this past Tuesday on NXT by defeating Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. Um, I'm kind of indifferent to this, honestly. I'm kind of indifferent to this, and it's not because I don't enjoy Toxic Attraction. I think the, the makeup of the group is very good. I think Mandy has been fantastic. I think she's reinvented herself. And she's now probably just as big as anybody on the main roster, to be brutally honest with you, with the work that she's done in NXT. But as far as Gigi and JC, I, I don't know if they would be a good fit on the main roster without Mandy. Are we going to call them up and then Mandy? Or are we breaking up Toxic Attraction? Because I don't think we should break up Toxic, unless Mandy Rose is going to leave Toxic Attraction and they will be Toxic Attraction on their own and maybe find somebody else to lead them. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we get Sonya Deville to lead Toxic Attraction as she's Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. They're, they're best friends, right? She's very good friends with uh, Mandy Rose. I don't know. But why would we break up Toxic Attraction, which right now, you know, they've been together for, for you know, the beginning of NXT 2.0. Not, hasn't been that long. Why would you want to break them up? They're a solid act. Are they good? I mean, that's questionable. I don't think Gigi Dolan and JC Jane are very good at all. I can't remember one fucking match where I said, oh, man, they were great. They're just there. It's a great act. It's a great, you know, gimmick presentation. But, I mean, you're asking me to say if Gigi Dolan and JC Jane are good. They're not. They're, they're not very good at all. So even pairing them with EO and Dakota and Bailey. They're going to be looked at as the two weak links of that group if they are indeed going to be in war games. Are they ready for the main roster? I don't think they are. I don't think they are. In presentation, they are. But like Vince says, they make movies. In presentation, they are. As far as in-ring aspect is concerned, they're not. You may not care about that, but it's an important factor of why people are getting called up. Are they ring ready? I don't think they're ring ready. No matter how great they look, they're not ready. That's just my opinion. We'll see what happens, but imminent, says Dave Meltzer. Triple H is bringing back another major NXT name. He may be somebody you don't remember or don't know of, and that doesn't mean he's not a major name, but he's a major name in my eyes. Gabe Sapolsky is the latest name to be brought back to the company. PW Insider reported this week that he is back with WWE and will be working on creative but it's unclear whether it is for the main roster or a return to NXT. Sapolsky is one of the names working on the Triple H as part of his team, or was one of the names working on the Triple H as part of his team NXT that was let go by the company in January. Other names that were part of the team that were let go and ultimately brought back were Ryan Katz and Road Dog. Road Dog is now uh, vice president of live events. 
And Ryan Katz is brought back, who's Road Dog's podcast partner. We don't know where he is right now. We may get those answers in the coming weeks as we see another revamp to the NXT product. Sapolsky started in wrestling by publishing ECW's programs and eventually becoming Paul Heyman's assistant. Sapolsky was the first booker of Ring of Honor before founding Dragon Gate USA and Evolve. And while he was the head of Evolve, he built it to a top independent wrestling promotion and it was the training ground for NXT. It was basically the feeder system for NXT. WWE later bought Evolve and Sapolsky went to work as a consultant for the NXT brand and eventually started working with Creative. Before his WWE exit, like I said, he was working on the creative side of things and producing elements of the show. If Triple H is bringing back Gabe Sapolsky and we now see Ryan Katz back with the company, but we don't know what role he's going to be in yet, this gives me great hope that NXT is finally going to be on the right track. Triple H doesn't need Sapolsky on the main roster. He doesn't. At one point, you know, Triple H, I thought was going to, upon being named head of creative, going to bring all his people back and make all that he worked with and all those that he worked with a part of his team on the main roster. I don't think he needs that. He can have some element of that, but how many creative writers does Triple H now have at his disposal? He's got like 30 or 40 creative writers on Raw and SmackDown combined. How many of those names were not getting ideas out or their ideas being used under Vince McMahon? They were writing for a show uh, basically for an audience of one. Now their ideas are a little bit more open. They actually get to express their creative ideas, throw ideas around, what works, what doesn't work. Triple H is now spearheading the entire creative department. He's ultimately the final deciding factor, but he can't do it alone. He's going to need hands, helping hands in this process. He's got Paul Heyman. He's got, you know, uh, Bruce is there, but he's probably fucking as useless as useless could be. But he's got those, those names and those talents backstage that he doesn't need anybody from his old NXT team. Where does he need help with now? The main roster has gotten better. NXT has largely remained terrible. So where does the most help need to go? What needs the most help in WWE? NXT. Monday Night Raw has been a lot better. SmackDown has been great, right? They've been good. They've had a couple of sleeper shows, but last night's show was great. SmackDown has been their best show in the last two months. And I'm throwing that out there. That's, that's a tough thing to say because we know where SmackDown was. But NXT right now is easily their worst show. That's where that help needs to go. Ryan Katz was there through the entire black and gold. He's seen the top of the top. He was riding for the biggest fucking promotion in North America, possibly the world with NXT. Nobody could touch NXT. Nobody black and gold. So Ryan Katz going back there, to me, that's a solid move. Gabe Sapolsky, he was there for most of that as well. That's a solid move. Where does the most help need to go? I feel like NXT is the place for, to put both Ryan Katz and Gabe Sapolsky. Let's get that shit back to what it used to be. Let's get NXT back to the way it used to feel. Let's get the writing back on Tuesday night the way that it used to be because I can't stand what the fuck they're doing on Tuesday night. It is so reminiscent of a Bruce Produce show. It is so reminiscent of a main roster show under Vincent Bruce. I can't stand that fucking show. Nobody believes me. Monday Night Raw's got five matches that go anywhere between 12 and 20 minutes. Monday Night Raw had five matches. That's what Triple H is doing to combat the three-hour show. More wrestling on a three-hour show. Vince, nine, ten matches at two minutes each. 
NXT, you go watch NXT, it was like seven matches, two minutes there, three minutes there, four minutes there. You can't get that shit over on a two-hour show and have it feel important or have it feel special. You're two-minuting us to death. Three minutes there, four minutes there. Something will go six minutes, seven minutes maybe. It's not good. It doesn't create a good show. Ryan Katz and Gabe Sapolsky need to be on Tuesday night. That's the best move for them. I'm glad that Triple H is continuing to bring back those older names. Makes me wonder who else is on their way back. AEW Dynamite. Tremendous show on Wednesday night. I thought Dynamite Grand Slam was easily the best Dynamite all year. As far as an in-ring aspect, best show all year. I thought they fucking killed it. Proud was great. Presentation was great. The flow of the show was great. Grand Slam did over a million, but they didn't do as much as they did last week, which is very weird to me. The AEW fan base is very bizarre to me. I don't get it. The show drew 1.039 million viewers on Wednesday night. This is down from a 1.175 the show did last week. The demos of the show did 0.35 last week. They did 0.39. Show was stacked. Had five title matches, and it drew less than what it did last week. Last year's Grand Slam, by comparison, 1.273 million viewers and did a 0.48 in the key demo. Clearly, the ratings are down. Tony Khan is over a million, but compared to last year, I mean, it's tough to, it's tough to duplicate what they did last year. It really is tough to duplicate. The elite is out suspended. CM Punk is out fined, suspended, possibly terminated. Who the fuck knows? You know, it was very difficult to go and compare this show to last year. You are never going to have Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk all debut in the same fucking span of three, four weeks leading to this show. Never again. That was incredible for AEW. Then you give us Brian and Omega, something that people were fucking jerking off to for years. I can't wait to see it happen. Is it going to happen in New Japan? Tony Khan gave us what, to me, was the greatest AEW moment last year. Was that, that match, that opened Dynamite Grand Slam last year. They didn't top it. It's tough to top it. They didn't have those same guys this year. They had a great show. They had a great flowing show. Brian was there. Moxley was there. World title was on the line. Jericho won the Ring of Honor world title. Right? We had a great tag team match with the acclaimed and them being put over the top and new tag team champions. But it wasn't like last year. It wasn't like last year. But there's always next year. Not to say that this was a bad show, but where did the audience go? What are they not interested in? Why didn't they watch this as much as they did last week's Dynamite? The questions are there. What, what, what else was on TV that people were interested in? Some people were saying, oh, the masked singer was back or Survivor or some other fucking. I don't believe these shows are still out there being compared to what they used to be. I'm surprised there's still interest in these fucking shows. But some people were claiming that there were other things on television that took away from Dynamite that weren't on last year or weren't on last week. Very weird. Very weird. I don't know. But still, over a million, and Tony Khan's got to be proud, and I would be proud because the show was great. It was a great show on Wednesday. Rampage, I might have been a little harsh on Rampage. I might have, I might have ruffled a couple of feathers there, but uh, I thought Rampage was a good show. 
it wasn't as great as people were saying it was. And I think the overall flow of the show is is just terrible. I, I think the rushed feeling of the show is not what I like personally as far as pro wrestling. I want things to breathe. I want there to be inter, you know, intermissions between what we see and then going into the next segment. They went from match to match to match to match to match to match. I felt like I was on fucking speed. I don't like to feel on speed when I'm watching my pro wrestling. It's a good show. They had some great matches. But the overall flow of the show sucked. The live atmosphere compared to a taped atmosphere is night and day with this Grand Slam shit. Rampage, taped, dynamite live. Not a good feeling, bro. Not a good feeling. Crowd felt dead during some of the show. They obviously were tired. They were there for dark taping. They were there for dynamite taping. They were there for a rampage taping that went over three hours and they had to dumb it down for two hours on television. It sucks, man. That just kills the vibe of the show. It really does. Speaking of killing the vibe, CM Punk. CM Punk reportedly is not expected to return to AEW and a contract buyout is likely to happen. This is coming from Wade Keller on PW Torch. I don't know how much of this I would actually agree with or or, or how much of this is real, but here we are. Wade Keller recapped Dynamite Grand Slam while speaking about the Ring of Honor title match between Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Jericho. Keller noted how Punk's name was excluded when Ian Riccoboni was on commentary, he's the Ring of Honor voice color comment, or he's the play-by-play guy for Ring of Honor. Ian Riccoboni talked about the big names that have held the title. Punk's name wasn't mentioned. Keller also added that he doesn't expect Punk to return, and while nothing is 100% in stone, things seem to be leaning towards a buyout of Punk's contract. Wade Keller says, and I quote, I think this is newsworthy, but not surprising that he excluded CM Punk's name as he talked about some of the biggest names who have held the Ring of Honor title. That's a bit of a tell. As I talked with Jason Powell yesterday about, I am not expecting CM Punk to wrestle at AEW ever again. I'm not saying it's 100% sure, but everything is pointing in the direction of some sort of buyout of his contract. We'll learn more eventually about this situation. Following the backstage fight after All Out, all of the parties were involved, were suspended, and an investigation was launched. No one involved in the fight has spoken publicly about the situation, and AEW has remained quiet. It's expected that more info will be coming out soon. Honestly, a lot of people are already claiming it. Punk's not coming back. You can have whichever opinion you want. I honestly think that Punk and everybody else needs to sit the fuck down and make money out of this situation and really take that one point fucking one rating or whatever the fuck they're doing weekly and get it to a one three one four, one five. You know, AEW is having such a tough time growing their audience. And, you know, depending on where you get your news from, they are growing their audience. You know, there are other things involved with growing their audience. How are their social media numbers looking compared to last year? Who's DVRing the show compared to watching it live? What are the DVR numbers factored into the live viewership? What's the overall rate? We don't get those numbers. We don't get those numbers. Not everybody watches Dynamite on a Wednesday night. Geeks like us, we watch it on a Wednesday night because I have to do this. And you guys, you know, you guys want to watch what you want to watch. Some people don't watch it. There are a lot of people that don't watch it on a Wednesday night. They watch it, you know, throughout the week because they got to work. 
or they save it for a day off and they chill at home with a cold beverage and just relax for a couple hours. People have their own lives and they attend to things when they want to attend to them. So how many of those numbers are factoring into the overall growth of AEW? We'll never know. But at the end of the day, if you want Punk fired, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect your opinion. Should he be fired for what he did? Absolutely. Should have Tony Khan stepped in? Absolutely. Should he have asserted himself as the boss instead of letting CM Punk run shit? Absolutely. Could this shit have been diffused weeks before the fucking scrum if Tony Khan was actually a boss? Yes. Could have been diffused with the Page promo. Could have been diffused even more with the Punk promo. But it all started with the Page promo against Punk before their match, calling out workers' rights. If that was not addressed then, you're just leaving the fucking cut unattended to fester and get infected. I talked about this. But then he let it sit. And then Punk gets injured. Punk comes back, pays Paige a receipt. Things blow up. Young Bucks reportedly are leaking fucking information to make Punk look bad to the dirt sheets. Then we get Nick Houseman at one of the scrums for a Ring of Honor asking if Colt Cabana was moved to Ring of Honor because of CM Punk or he's about to be let go because of CM Punk. Soon as CM Punk zeroed in on Nick Houseman of Wrestling Inc., goodbye. It was over. You set off a fucking time bomb that just continued to explode minute after minute after minute after minute while he sat there and ate Mindy's Bakery. It all could have been diffused. Now, the door being kicked down and the fucking stories of who, be, who was bit and the fight that happened, we don't know because we weren't there. All we know is what we have Sides of, storyline-wise, as far as, you know, Punk's side and the elite side. That's it. Should he be fired? It's a stretch. It's a stretch. It depends on if people are going to willingly want to sit down and talk this out. If nobody is willing to hash this thing out like men, yeah, I'm firing Sam Punk. Get out of here. Maybe even the elite, too. Get out. Do they need the elite? I mean, I would, I would keep the elite more than Punk. They are all elite wrestling. CM Punk is not. CM Punk seemed to have caused more problems and ruffled more feathers and kind of created this indifference with the fan base than the elite. They were there from the beginning. Those are your guys. You got to stick with those guys. You can't side with CM Punk because you're some fucking super fanboy over Phil Brooks. If nobody wants to do business, get them out. Now, if they want to talk business and they want to settle this like fucking men instead of pussies then yes, make money off of it. Get everybody involved and really play up to the fans and bring this shit to television. That's the way I would go. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. We don't know CM Punk's mindset. We don't know where Tony Khan and his mindset are. Punk may not want to come back. I don't know. He may just be done completely. But I don't know how he's going to look back at this and say, yeah, man, I'm proud of that. You had that great first dance, and everybody was fucking showering you with love. It was the fucking great, one of the greatest moments in the history of pro wrestling. You coming back, and then this is the way your run ended with two injuries, two world titles, had to give it up twice, ruining a feud with MJF that could have been the greatest in AEW history. It's been a mess. It's been nothing more than a mess. Who knows if he wants to come back? We don't know. But if he wants to come back, they need to do business, and they need to settle this like men. I think people are jumping the gun about a contract buyout. We don't know. Punk relinquished the title. Moxley's now the world champion. Punk went to go get surgery on his torn triceps. He's going to be out for a while. 
We, we don't know what Tony Khan is thinking. We saw Tony Khan's next chess move here. Adam Page won the golden ticket battle royal on Rampage. He's the number one contender against Shawn Moxley. Now, I don't know what that means. It could mean a multitude of things. Number one, Tony Khan is basically asserting himself as the boss. You don't run shit. I'm going to run shit. Adam Page is my number one contender. He may be in a losing effort, but he's the number one contender getting a title match. Kind of bizarre that he's getting a title match after he just got called out by CM Punk with Punk calling him a, a, a dumb fuck at the media scrum. A, a, a fucking dumb fuck like Adam Page is what he said. Kind of weird to make him the world champion. But also at the same time, it shows CM Punk that Tony Khan is boss and I'm going to make whoever the fuck I want number one contender. Putting his foot down. Everybody loves Adam. I love Adam Page. I think Adam Page is fantastic. He's one of my favorite guys there. But he is partially to blame for everything that kind of happened. He was the first in line of a string of fucking things that just exploded that could have been defused early on so we didn't get what we got at all out. But a contract buyout? We don't know. Punk is not going to speak. Punk is not going to speak in general. But Punk is not going to speak because he's under investigation. The elite are not going to speak because they are under investigation. How the fuck does Wade Keller know about what's going on and what's likely when they are under investigation? You can't be putting this shit out in the general public on your fucking show without there being a conclusion to the investigation. Nobody knows. Nobody. Not a single fucking person knows. Because Ian Riccoboni didn't mention CM Punk. They also got removed from the fucking intro of Dynamite. All four of them. That doesn't mean anything. Punishment. You did the crime, you gotta pay for the crime. That's all that is. Tony Khan does not want this mentioned on TV because he wants to move forward with AEW television. He wants to bring us back to what everybody fell in love with in the first place, and he's done a damn good job at that. Why does he need to constantly bring up the negativity and the names associated with the negativity that we're all out? The guy wants to move on. He's not going to mention their names. He's going to remove them from the intro. He's going to remove them from every aspect until the investigation is over and until there is a resolution between them personally. If there's not, then the next step is involved. Get, needs to get involved in. They either need to part ways with Punk and go back to what brought them to the dance or whatnot, whatever the, whatever the next steps may be. There is an investigation, and he wants to move on. That doesn't mean Punk is not coming back. That doesn't mean that Punk's contract's going to be bought out. This is all bullshit. I would not take any of this seriously until we actually see, confirmed by investigators and AEW management, what the next step is going to be. With the names involved, there will be reference of this when the information is available. They're not going to keep this silent. You will know what the next steps are when they are available. Right now, nobody knows. So don't listen to a contract buyout. Don't listen to he's not coming back. Don't listen to this and WWE's interested in fucking Elite. All this other shit. Let it be. Let it be. You would do yourself a good favor to stay off social media and not listen to shit like this. CM Punk side. They've reportedly backed off on the claim that the Young Bucks kicked the door down during this fight. Bucks and Kenny Omega have yet to hear from AEW. This is also 
from Brian Alvarez in regards to Wade Keller's recent statements about leaning towards CM Punk not returning to AEW. Keller said the following about AEW not being mentioned during Dynamite and Ian Rick and Bonnie not mentioning about him being the Ring of Honor champion in a string of champions that held that that have held that belt. He said, uh, again, I'm going to read it to you again. I think it's newsworthy that, you know, they excluded his name while talking about the people that have held the Ring of Honor championship. He says it's a bit of a tell. Alvarez was asked about this, and he talked about it on Wrestling Observer Live. He says, and I quote, I did hear Wade speculating about a buyout, but let's put it this way. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised, but nobody, nobody, nobody is talking right now. So everything is speculation. No, uh, nobody is talking. Nobody is saying anything. The thing about the brawl is that there really aren't two sides of the story anymore. There were two sides of the story for a while, but now pretty much both sides agree that CM Punk threw the first punch. The Punk side has backed off on the kicking of the door down. They have admitted the Bucks didn't kick the door down. The Young Bucks did go into the room. They didn't just go into the room with the head of legal. They went into the room with the head of legal and the head of talent relations. So they ain't kicking down the door. And like I said, both sides agree they didn't kick the door down. Really, the only disagreement at this point is were the Bucks aggressive? Punk's side admitted he threw the first punch. The only disagreement is was he actually in fear for his safety or did he just start punching? That's where the investigation comes in. Was he threatened? Did he feel uneasy and threatened? Then he threw a punch or did they just walk in and he start throwing punches? We don't know. Other than that, all sides are on the same page. I don't expect to see CM Punk and AEW again. I don't know about the Bucks and Kenny Omega. I don't know what they're thinking right now. But I do know it's been a long time and nobody is communicating with anybody about anything. It has been so frustrating. I So I know what they, I don't know what they are thinking right now. If they are working a buyout for Punk, then there is some communication. You don't work out a buyout with somebody and don't communicate. As far as Kenny Omega and the Bucks, from talking with all sorts of people in AEW, nobody is communicating anything to Kenny Omega and the Bucks. Nothing. They are absolutely 100% in the dark. I don't know what the future is for anybody. Communication is key, right? They will communicate with the Bucks when there is a solution to the investigation. And a buyout, Alvarez said it perfectly. If there is a buyout or if there's speculation on a buyout, how could there be a, a fucking buyout or a speculation on buyout when Punk has had no communication with AEW, you don't do a buyout or speculate on a buyout when there's no communication between AEW, the people that want to buy out Punk's contract so that we don't see him again. It doesn't make sense. People are jumping the gun so much on all of this. It is ridiculous. Ridiculous. The other big thing that happened in AEW this week is that Soraya... She actually came out and said, you guys have been saying my name wrong. It's Soraya, not Soraya, Soraya Page, or Soraya Knight, who was formerly Page in WWE, debuted on Grand Slam Wednesday for AEW. I thought her debut was tremendous. I watched it back over and over and over again. The reaction to that audience was just fucking unbelievable when she came out. So she arrived on Wednesday 
And this followed a fatal four-way match that saw Tony Storm retain the title over Britt Baker, Serena Deeb, and Athena. She made the save for Athena and Storm, who were attacked by Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. This indicates a future feud between Baker and Soraya. The former WWE star took to Twitter to comment on her AEW debut. As previously noted, she is using the song Zombified by Falling in Reverse, the band which includes her boyfriend, Ronnie Radke. She wrote the following, Fucking wow. Absolutely blown away by the pop in the stadium and the reception outside of it. Been a long journey. Couldn't be happier in AEW. Thank you, everyone. And thank you to my babe, Ronnie Radke, for making me use his song, Zombified, or letting me use my, uh, his song, Zombified, LFG. I thought the song fit her perfectly. And it's not that bad of a song either. It's actually not my type of music, but it is a very good song, very catchy. Reminds me of something very Papa Roach-esque. I thought it's great. And the music video is even fucking, even more great. It's fantastic. AEW reached out to Paige. How did this all happen? AEW reached out to Paige this summer. So she's been a free agent for three months. AEW saw that she was a free agent. WWE contract expired. And the landscape of WWE, the landscape of pro wrestling has changed significantly since then. And especially since she's been retired. Soraya hasn't wrestled since the start of July when her contract was up. She's done some signings. No wrestling, though. Though she's agreed to do some appearances, no wrestling yet. She has stated that she's not opposed to wrestling, but it has to be the right situation. After a neck injury that forced her to retire after a brief 2017 return, the absence of Soraya from WWE Obviously, it was due to the injury, not their lack of interest. They did not clear her. So, WWE did not want her to get in the ring because they, they, they thought and they made the, the judgment that she was not ready to return for in-ring action. Fightful Select this week reported that via AEW sources, there had been at least some conversations with Soraya this summer. We weren't given additional context of that beyond one person stating that they believe WWE would also be interested in bringing her back considering the new regime. We were told that the conversations didn't result in anything at the time, but anything could have changed since then. Now, Soraya apparently is not reportedly cleared to wrestle. This is coming from, I believe it was Dave Meltzer on, a, on Wrestling Observer Live said, that she's not cleared to wrestle. So, she's not cleared to wrestle, and Dave Meltzer says she has not been cleared as of very recently, which would explain not touching anyone, but she would like to be cleared. She hasn't wrestled since 2017 due to spinal stenosis, which is why she hasn't been cleared to wrestle. She went on Twitter the very next day after hearing about these rumors, and she added Tony Khan which he retweeted and said, do not believe the dirt sheets. I will see you all Wednesday. Now, if she's not clear to wrestle, if she's not clear to wrestle, honestly, to me, it makes it a very difficult decision to see why she's even here. If she's not cleared to wrestle and will not be cleared to wrestle, and you are taking a gamble on that, why are we bringing her in? 
Is she going to be a counselor for the women's division? Is she going to be a manager for somebody? Is she going to be a GM? Is she going to be booking women's matches on TV as a, as a GM or an authority figure? If she's not cleared to wrestle yet, I'm just saying this. Melcher said it. I, I didn't say it. She seems to think that she's cleared. Who knows what she's going to say on Wednesday? She may come out and say that she's cleared. AEW medical personnel, along with several other doctors that I've sought after, you know, outside of AEW, they've all given me the clear to wrestle. She's not going to get in there if she's not clear to wrestle, but if she's not cleared yet, and you're taking a gamble on somebody, you know, saying yes or no, that's a lot of fucking chance for you to go sign somebody like this who I know did not come cheap. She did not come cheap. To sway her away from WWE when Triple H, I said this on Wednesday, you know for a fucking fact that Triple H would have absolutely bent over backwards to bring her in if she was cleared to wrestle. If Triple H took over and she was not one of the first person, this is, this is the thing that kind of makes my, my fucking ears point up and, and raises the red flag. If Triple H is in charge of all the people that he could have brought back, if she was cleared to go, why didn't she get the call from Triple H? She was babied by Triple H. That was basically her family. Through everything that she's been through, the fucking leaks online with the video and the fucking abuse from Del Rio and all this other shit that they tried to protect her from, the drug abuse and the ups and the downs, WWE was there. Triple H and family was there for Soraya. If she is cleared to go, why didn't Triple H reach out to her and bring her back? He, I, mean, I mean, the revolution started with her. The revolution started in NXT. The revolution started with Triple H. You wouldn't want that back in your company if she was ready to go? She was out there for three months. She was out there in all this time. That Triple H was taking over WWE. Not one phone call. Not one, are you interested in coming back? Hey, I'm changing policies. No longer are you going to be told you can't stream on Twitch. Everybody's streaming on Twitch now. The ban is lifted. That was one of the things that she wanted. She loved her Twitch family. She can now stream on Twitch, working for WWE. You mean to tell me that nobody there reached out to her? Now again, we'll find out on Wednesday. Is she clear or is she not clear? If she's not clear, it's a huge gamble for Tony Khan to waste money on somebody that's not cleared and may never be cleared. Now, if she is cleared, I don't know. I don't know. They don't got the safest women's division there with broken noses and this and that. Injuries happening every fucking week. I mean, God forbid something happens and she's dropped on her fucking head. It's going to be a very scary situation when she gets back in the ring. But I said this on Wednesday. How much of this is Tony Khan wanting to build and create a better women's division with her there? He basically has one of the pieces to the, AE, to the WWE women's revolution in AEW. Does he want to create a better women's division? I hope so. Why the fuck are you bringing her in? He better have plans for this women's division. There is no more fucking excuses with this now. None. No more. You have her and you got your own revolution with her now. I said this on Wednesday as well. Sasha Banks and Naomi, 
they were potentially a possibility. They were basically one foot out the door. They were having lawyers come up with contracts to get them out of their WWE contract. People were like, oh, Sasha's going to jump to AEW. Naomi's going to jump to AEW. Sasha's going to jump to stardom. Those two were a possibility. Now they're no longer. They're on their way back to WWE inevitably. There was nobody else out there for you to go and get to build your women's division. Now you got Soraya. Now you got Soraya on top of all the great talent that you got in that division, some of which is still hurt. Thunder Rose is out. Statlander's out. Red Velvet's out, right? But you got a solid nucleus there. It's only going to be strong when everybody gets back from injury. Look at the fucking talent you got in that division. If you don't start rebuilding this division the way that you need it to be, there's no more excuses. Why the fuck is she here? Is this Tony Khan wanting to build a division or is this Tony Khan taking somebody away that he possibly thought Triple H was going to go out there and call and say, ha, 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 I got her. I took her away from you. Now she's mine. I pray to God that this isn't Tony Khan collecting talent and not doing anything with them or not having a vision, not having plans, just for the sake of being petty because everybody's talking about the great job Triple H is doing. It's not what we do here. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to Soraya. It's not fair to the women's division. Things need to change. She is now the beacon of change in this company. And if we don't start seeing change... Not only am I going to raise my voice louder than I have over the last few weeks, other people are going to start doing that as well. And all of these issues will become even more prominent because when you see someone like that not being used the way that they should be used and a division that's still stagnant the way that it's been before she got here, people are going to see it. It's going to become a lot more clear. There's no way you have this woman in that company and you don't use her mind. You don't use her vision. You don't use her ideas. She is not only a fucking beacon for change in all of AEW, but this is a woman that has stamped her fucking brand and her foot in the women's revolution and knows what it takes to take that division to the next level. She's seen it. She's done it. She's advocated for it in the years of her retirement, and now she's here. Absolutely zero excuses why this division can't be better than everything we see in the other promotion. Is she cleared? I don't know. I'm not going to say Meltzer's right. We don't fucking know. I'm not her doctor. Neither is Meltzer. The fact that he even said that is shit reporting. Until we hear it from her mouth, that's the official statement. If she's not cleared, she'll say it. If she is, she'll say it. If she's not cleared, She's saying she's waiting on a few more doctors to clear her, and then she'll be good to go. She's not going to get in the ring if the doctors don't allow her. Tony Khan is not going to put her in the ring if the doctors do not allow her. Then we'll jump to the question, well, why the fuck did you bring her in? Why did you go out there and make this huge splash with her at Grand Slam, and this is now your new face of the women's division? Let's wait it out and see what happens. A new report came out about Malachi Black possibly returning to WWE under the Triple H regime. Now, Black didn't explicitly confirm that he's been granted his release. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful reported that talent were under the impression that Black has a lengthy non-compete clause indicating that he has to finish up with, uh, you know, independent dates and whatnot, and then he's going to go on and do non-compete. 
Speaking of Dave Meltzer, he talked about this as well. He notes that he believes Black wanted to return to WWE, noting that Black has a lot of time left on his contract before he asks for his AEW release. Meltzer says this, he wrestled this week, which is interesting, on an independent show. Then he put out a statement today, and he wanted out from AEW. I guess we'll see what happens. Obviously, he wanted to go back to WWE, and he had a lot of time left on his deal. I think four and a half years left on the deal. It's an interesting thing because it's really difficult to keep someone who was unhappy under contract for that length of time. He did sign for that length of time. The reason you sign people to contracts is that they can't, they can't get up and leave if they get unhappy or someone makes them an offer somewhere else. They just can't go over to the next company the next day. The whole reason that he was signed to a five-year big-money contract was so if something happened in WWE and they wanted him back and they changed his mind, that they had him and they could book him for all those years. So it becomes an interesting situation, and the same goes in the other direction too. Now, Black's statement, you know, obviously had a lot of information there. He obviously is dealing with a lot of personal shit. He, no doubt about it, was unhappy creatively with the House of Black, indicating professional promises not being made or upheld, led to the feelings of demoralization that he's currently dealing with. Noting that Black was utilized less at times at AEW because he was dealing with injury. Meltzer said this, he had a push there and he was hurt, which was part of the problem. I think he had a bad back and he was used not as much as of late. They put him in the trios thing, so the other two guys, you know, obviously could make life easier. With an injury to be in the trio, it would be easier than being used as a singles guy. This is not... This is not something that is difficult to come up with. We all talked about this. I guess we have to wait for all of this to play out and see what the situation is. Basically, it's what type of deal did he and Tony come up with? Tony Khan wouldn't talk about it. He talked a lot, but didn't say any specifics as to what the deal is. The story going around was that it was a conditional release, and what that meant, I don't really know. The assumption of a conditional release is that it's probably something where he just can't go right to WWE. Maybe there's a time frame or something like that. I don't think he would agree to it if the time frame was four and a half years. Black wrestled for WWE in October of 2020. He returned to TV in May 2021 before he was let go by the company in June. I would think that the back injury led to a lot of demoralization. The man was on the verge of possibly fucking retiring from pro wrestling. So he could be upset with creative. And yes, they could have been booked a lot better. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of people are just kind of pushing his injury to the side. And it was something as serious as possible retirement. There's not much he could do as far as the House of Black is because he's the biggest member of the House of Black. He's the biggest proponent of the House of Black. The injury had a lot to do with why he was off television. We didn't know it then, but then we found that information to be revealed. So how much of it is creative? How much of it is the injury demoralizing him to a point where he can't be creative and can't do what he wants to do? He had the injury that took away from the group. He brought in Brody. He brought in Buddy Matthews. He feel like he, he felt like he let everybody down. He's injured. He can't really do much. He wants to help the group. He wants to help Julia Hart. He wants to help the guys. There's not much he can do. How do you think that made him feel? He probably felt some overwhelming guilt that he was hurt as if he blamed himself letting everybody else down. That shit sucks. That shit sucks. 
So who knows what the fuck he was thinking? On top of that, he mentioned personal things, family deaths, you know, friends, you know, passing away and all this personal thing. People were making rumors up about him and his wife being divorced or getting divorced and a rocky relationship there. You know, he hears all this shit. It obviously doesn't help. He needed to step away. The mental health of somebody is fucking huge. You can't sit there and have all these things just fed. You need to be home in a place of zen, in a place of comfort to just clear your mind. You need to go and do what you need to do and get yourself right. Maybe his back wasn't healing the way that he wanted and him wrestling in the trios tournament, him wrestling it all out, wasn't doing good. I don't know. Nobody knows. He said when he is ready to speak, do not listen to anybody else. He will update us on everything that's going on when the time is right. As far as the conditional release, obviously it's not four and a half years. Either that, you know, if it's four and a half years, I would have to say, you know, if I'm Malachi, well, you got to, you know, listen, you know, Tony Khan would have to pay him the four and a half. Nobody's going to sit out for four and a half fucking years. Nobody. We don't know what that entails. Is his contract frozen? Is he paid a downside guarantee? Is he going to be out for all those years and Tony Khan's going to continue to pay him while he's not getting any return on his investment? There's so much There's so much what if there. We don't know. A conditional release. He may be paying him something for a year to not go anywhere else. A year may be enough for him to get his mind right and get back into this thing and heal up and move on from all the fucking negativity and the, and the demoralization of what he's dealing with. A year to not go back to WWE. But the door is always open for him to come back. I'm sure the door is open for him to come back to AEW. It's going to be up to him. I don't know. We will see what happens with Malachi. But right now, the one thing on everybody's mind is, where's he going? Where's he going? Where's he going? The one thing on our minds is, hopefully, he is good enough to go wherever he wants to go when the time is right. Not where he's going next. Because he ain't going anywhere right now. Because I'm assuming that with a conditional release, it's not four and a half years. It may be closer to 12 months. Malachi was not the only name released or asked to be released. More names from AEW were contacted by WWE. We heard about Swerve Strickland potentially being contacted by WWE. Triple H's HR department reaching out and gauging interest with current talent that worked under Triple H at one time that he wanted back. So Malachi, we talked about Malachi. He's right now done with AEW. Uh, We don't know what's happening with him. Among others, Swerve is a name widely known within AEW that was also contacted by WWE. Who's to know if WWE even contacted Malachi either? We don't know. We don't know. That's also another thing that we don't know of that could be a possibility. Swerve was contacted by WWE. Finally, there were other names on this list. Now, we don't have names here. This is coming from Fightful, I believe. An AEW source said that WWE reached out in August to an AEW name that had been with the company from the start, but that even we'd be surprised to learn they reached out to. Now, I don't know who that could be. Take your guess on that. An AEW name who had been with the company from the very beginning that even we'd be surprised to learn they reached out to. Could be anybody. Could be Darby. Could be Jungle Boy. It could be anybody. We don't know. On his own podcast, the slob himself, Bruce Pritchard, had highlighted that WWE previously had refused to discuss much of anything with contracted talent in the years past. Well, don't believe anything Bruce Pritchard says because WWE 
always thinks they could get away with it, and they are sly and nefarious any time that they can be sly and nefarious. Don't believe anything out of Bruce Pritchard's mouth. He's a fucking habitual liar. Ryan Frederick, his name was brought up again. This was the guy that released the news, talked about the news of the Young Bucks sending feelers out to WWE. Ryan Frederick shed some light on some additional names. This was in response to a post by a user on the board. The user wrote, I'd expect that one may well have been Buddy Matthews. The other ex-WWE guys, I guess it could be, would be Keith Lee, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, or Andrade. Frederick wrote, yes, no, 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 very possibly. So he said, yes, Buddy Matthews. The other ex-WWE guys, Keith Lee, no. Adam Cole, no. Kyle O'Reilly, no. Andrade, very possibly. So he's saying, basically, Buddy Matthews was also reached out to by WWE to come on back to the company. Buddy Matthews was a staple in WWE's cruiserweight division while Triple H was overseeing the project. And Buddy Matthews is a lot better now than he was then. He looks great. Adam Cole, no. Keith Lee, no. O'Reilly, no. Andrade, Andrade I could see possibly being a guy that has asked for his release. He may not have said it publicly, or it may not have been released publicly, but I could see Andrade being the type of guy that is dissatisfied with the way he's been booked and may want to go back to WWE. He knows Triple H took care of him while he was working in NXT, and his wife works for the company in Charlotte Flair. So he could have been one of the other guys that have asked for his release. We don't know. I also read that FTR was also reached out to by WWE. They wanted FTR and wanted to gauge interest in FTR coming back, but they have a couple of years left on their AEW current contracts. I don't know. WWE, man, they're really overstepping their boundaries with this, but, you know, it's going to happen. Tony Khan, this is what's going to happen with Tony Khan. He's going to hire so many people and bring in so many people that he's not going to be able to satisfy them all creatively, and they are going to get frustrated. And now that Triple H is running things and running a tight ship over there, and things are a lot better than what they used to be under Vince McMahon, people are going to be like, oh, shit. Well, he treated me right the first time. I'm over here. I thought I was going to be treated the same exact way. I'm not. And now he's over there working the main roster and not working NXT. Maybe I could go back over there and be treated the way that I was when he was working in NXT. You know, it's it sucks. It's going to happen. You can't keep everybody happy at the same time with a, a roster size like AEW. But also, you know, you gave your name and signed your name on a fucking legal binding contract to work your years in AEW. So, I mean, you gotta you gotta abide by the contract. You just can't say, well, shit. Can I get this changed? Can I ask for my release? I want to go back over there. Can't do that. Can't do that. Bobby Fish reportedly tried to convince Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly to quit AEW and return to WWE. Now, Bobby Fish recently just showed up at Victory Road on Impact, and he's shit out of luck, man. You know, he wants to go out there and talk shit. I don't know what he said on Impact Show last night. I don't give a shit what he said. He was apparently talking trash about how Impact is professional and they do things the right way over here, and he was throwing fucking dirt on CM Punk's name and whatever the case may be. But now he's working in the Impact Zone. Now he's working in front of those 
solid eight or nine different people that show up live every week, man. Wow. Yeah, you work in the impact zone. Nobody watches impact. Nobody gives a fuck about impact. He's over there and he's on a D-level show. So who won here, Bobby Fish? You think Tony Khan's losing sleep over you going to fucking impact? Give me a break. Bobby Fish reportedly tried to convince Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly to quit AEW. Now, this also was coming from Ryan Frederick on the Wrestling Observer boards. He talked about this on the Wrestling Observer message board. He says this, and I quote, I posted it in the Bobby Fish thread, but I know Fish was trying to get them, Cole and O'Reilly, to ask for their releases to go back to WWE, and they both told him no. No. Good. Bobby Fish, I don't know. I loved Undisputed Era. They were one of the best factions in WWE history. But Bobby Fish, from the time he got released to where we see him now, man, he seems like one of those headaches that Tony Khan just needed to get rid of desperately. Kyle O'Reilly's out. Kyle O'Reilly obviously can still do what he's got to do without Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish was, Bobby Fish knew he was the man who was least going to be fucking you. He was the most expendable of the three guys in AEW. And now with the headache that he's caused and the shit that he stirred and the fucking fact he went out there and said, oh, I, I would go to war with Triple H or for Triple H. You think Tony Khan wants you on your roster now? You think Tony Khan wants that on the roster? And now if he gets a win to this, oh, that they axed or, or, or they were asked by Bobby Fish to ask for their release? What type of shit is that, bro? If Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are happy on AEW, Kyle O'Reilly's out injured right now. The fuck is he going to do? He's going to be out for the rest of the year. Adam Cole is also out injured. He's not back yet. You're going to ask two guys that are presumably happy in their current roles to leave so that you and them could go back to AEW? Who the fuck does that benefit? That's going to benefit you. You want them to go back with you to WWE because you know you can't get into WWE by yourself because you're old, you're washed up, and there's no value for you over there unless Triple H brings Jim Page with Roddy. But even at that point, that's two-fourths of the Undisputed Era and not really the most interesting aspects of Undisputed Era. Give me a break. Seems like this is a selfish Bobby Fish. Someone that, you know, doesn't have the best interests of his best friends at heart. That sucks. That's a terrible fucking person. It's possible Cole may have included or may have clued Tony in. And Cole doesn't seem like the type of guy that would stab Tony Khan in the back like that. We just seen a photograph about him calling Tony Khan at the recent Jacksonville Jaguars game at TIAA Field. This weekend, he posted a picture of it on Twitter. If he did... I doubt he was the only one. I'm sure Swerve was one of them as well. Tony Khan is treating these guys with the utmost respect, has given them the fucking platform to go out there and do what they couldn't do in WWE. There's a level of fucking loyalty that comes with that. Both Cole and O'Reilly have several years left on their deals with AEW, and it appears that they are happy where they are. Cole has been out of the uh, out of action for most of this year with injuries and is expected to return soon. O'Reilly underwent neck surgery. He's not expected expected back until next year. As for Fish, it's unclear what his future, you know, is. He showed up on Impact, Victory Road, and that's what Bobby Fish is doing now. Good luck. 
So you're a nobody now who's going to be seen and watched by nobody in front of nobody. Good. Good. That's not what a good friend, that's not what a best friend does. Yeah, please come back to WWE with me. Let's all go to WWE. But the only reason why you wanted them to leave was because you knew without them, you ain't going to WWE and now you settled for Impact. I guess karma is a bitch, Bobby Fish. Guys, that is all I got as far as the news is concerned. And we are about to get into the Super Chats here. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on your Saturday afternoons. Hit that thumbs up, man. We are uh, less than 80 away from 1,000 likes. Make sure you guys go and do that for me, man, really. 1,000 likes on tonight's, or today's, OTS 445. Sponsored by my great friends over at Established Titles. What is Established Titles, man? I got one right here. I am now Lord JD, man. I am Lord JD. And Established Titles is a project based on historic Scottish customs where landowners are referred to as lords and ladies in English. Established Titles allows people to buy as little as one square foot of dedicated land so that they can call themselves a lord or a lady and they are also committed to planting a tree with every order. It is a fun, novel way to help preserve the picturesque woodlands and biodiversity of Scotland while supporting global reforestation efforts. Established titles and a title pack gives you at least one square foot of dedicated land on a private estate in Eddleston, Scotland and an official certificate with a crest. Okay? I got one here. Your certificate features a unique plot number which you can see the exact location of your land and... You could officially change your name to Lord or Lady and get it on your credit card, your plane tickets, etc. You could even put it on your dating profiles. And with every tree planted, every order, they plant a tree with every order and work with global charities like One Tree Planted and Trees for the Future to support global reforestation efforts, man. Christmas is coming up. I'm sure you got birthdays coming up, anniversaries coming up or just a great, cool gift to surprise somebody with. It makes an amazing last-minute gift, and Established Titles is actually running a massive sale right now. So if you use code SCRIPT, you're going to get an additional additional 10% off on top of whatever they're running right now. So all you guys got to do is go to EstablishedTitles.com slash scripts to get your gifts now and help support the channel. EstablishedTitles.com slash script. Link is going to be in the description below. Pinned as well in the comment section. Go and check them out. Every little bit helps the channel. And I appreciate them joining the OTS sponsor family right here on the podcast. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Um, We don't got a lot to go over. I guess half of you are uh, either not caring or you are working. Either way, I'll get out of here quick. Uh, we got JC720 with a $5 super chat. He leaves me a your number one emoji. Thank you, JC. Also, he becomes a new member. Uh, actually, three-month membership, JC. What's up, JD? Hope your day was a good one. A day with OTS is a damn good day. Thank you, JC. 
Dan from Detroit with a $2 super chat. OTS for life. We got a new membership. Will. Thank you, Will. What are you drinking, brother? JLD. Three-month membership. Thank you, JLD. Edward Liu with a 14-month membership. Always love the entrance music. All the songs felt like they described WWE stars needing to leave, but with trips, seems like these apply to AW stars as well now. I just play whatever sounds good, bro. I do. I just play whatever sounds good. Travis Drum with the two-month membership. All hail JD, the king of the IWC. Thank you, brother. King Chris with a new membership. Thank you, King Chris. What are you drinking? The Game Journalist with a new membership. What are you guys drinking this afternoon for happy hour, man? Issa Zell with a $4.99 super chat. No message. FTG with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Paul David with an 11-month recommitment. Aaron Judge is attempting to break Roger Maris's home run record. Of course he is. Albert Pujols just hit 700 as well, right? Seven hundred club now is a new member. Jim Cornette with a one ninety nine super chat. How much to get a rap song in the playlist? Not happening, brother. Not happening. Captain Solo with a five dollar super chat. What is your favorite craft beer? Oma Gang Three Philosophers. Will WWE or AEW ever take a chance on Tessa Blanchard? I doubt it. I believe everybody deserves a second chance. I, I believe that as well, but I doubt She's a PR nightmare. A lot of growing up still left to do. ASW Promotions. With a three-month recommitment. House of Black isn't the same without Malachi. I agree. I agree it's not the same without Malachi. They desperately need Malachi. I don't know what the future of the group is going to be without Malachi, to be quite honest with you. Lord Quaz with a $2 super chat. What's Robbie Tilapia doing in the impact zone? I have no idea, bro. He ain't going nowhere. What is he going to do? Wrestle for an X Division title at 45 years old? Give me a break. Soma BT with a $4 super chat. He leaves me a blue chicken with a uh, coffee emoji. Thank you. Super emoji con on YouTube. Thank you, brother. Christy Wilson with a $1.99 super chat. Hope you're having a good day. Well, my day can actually begin now that I got this podcast and this live stream out of the way. Saints 2025, $1.99. Live OTS is always a treat. Have an awesome day. Thank you, Saints. And Furious Nation with a 12-month recommitment. Thank you, brother. What's up, JD? On my break at work now, but did you hear about Bobby Fish going to Impact? Laughing my ass off. Literally the last story that I talked about on the live stream, bro. Talked about it. Hopefully you guys get to go watch it if you haven't watched it yet. But uh, that is all I got for you, man. The Scorpio Prince with a $5 super chat. He says, scissor me, JD. No, thank you, brother. I don't scissor no other men. No other bro. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm about to get out of here. I got to jump in the shower. I got to get myself over to Queens. Club Amazora, House of Glory Genesis tonight, 7 p.m. Ladder match. Fight TV. Join us on Fight. I'll be tweeting. 
from the events. Join us. Hit that thumbs up. Make sure you guys continue to watch the, the content that I've uploaded this week. Tons of it. And I will see you all right back here on Monday with a brand new week of content, guys. Thank you for a great stream. I know it's unusual for me to go live on a Saturday afternoon. Normally Sunday night. We'll be back to normal things next week. Until then, guys, have a great Saturday. Make sure those beverages are cold. I need those guitar emojis in the chat and that music on Max. I'll see you guys tonight live on Fight TV for House of Glory Genesis. I'll see you guys later.